Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we have Dan Garms from Cannabis Search Group coming on. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of Cannabis Legalization News. So what's going on, Miggy and Tom? Hey, Lauren. Hey. hey. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not as good as Bernie Sanders. You hear what he did? Yeah. Exciting yeah. stuff. Did he take yeah. the caucus? Did, did they finally say the results? No. What the heck was up with the Iowa caucus? I can't believe that stuff. I want that weed. Uh, wait, you, you're saying it's Iowa. They don't have weed. Oh, come on, man. Everybody has weed. No, man. The Democrats. I, I will guarantee that not one of our likes nor subscribes has ever come from Iowa. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, You know what? I have faith in America. Did you? Uh, Why do you suddenly have faith in America? Is I it because to... of the fields of weed that you report from nowadays? Well, it makes you a little higher. Oh, does it? Uplifting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was pretty awesome. And so, you know, if you haven't already, uh, give a thumbs up or subscribe to this because we're going to have that Bernie Sanders video about, uh, sure, he says that he's going to uh, use an executive action for day one legalizing cannabis, but can he? And so uh, we researched that, looked into it, and uh, we have a video scripted. So we'll get that in the can and hopefully up by Friday. Yeah, yeah. And and do you want to talk that ahead of time or do you want to just hit on other shit like Vermont? Yeah, let's or... hit on other shit because uh, the Bernie Sanders one, that that's one of those things where it's kind of like, hey, stay tuned for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, well, Vermont, you know, is on the edge. And so is, uh, oh, did you hear about Washington? And we, we fought the 10%. You guys did. Way to do it. Way to explain to them basic math. I love how it makes no sense. Uh, the cannabis flower, which is approximately 25% THC, is going to be concentrated by uh reducing that to 10 percent thc yeah oh, I, I like how somebody thinks somebody in iowa smokes weed you know i bet <laughs> they do i they drove to illinois to buy it and then they drove back and got arrested but dude i, I used to hear stories of uh of, you know the the drive through state so i imagine there's there's some fire out there 20 percent fire right there so you know that that stuff you would have to de-concentrate if it's going yeah. to be a concentrate in washington which makes no sense so no, I'm glad I, that you guys fought that and, and won. Um, I'm sure they aren't going to stop there. But then what was the other headline that you shared with us this week? It was something about the feds are worried about international marijuana rescheduling efforts that it might boost uh, the legalization efforts here in the United States. No, that's horrible. Did you read that letter? The letter. Yeah. So it was a, it was a federal letter uh, from the USDA portion, I believe. Uh, uh, from the No, from the... Handout for external use from the WHO slash ECOD. But what, what what department sent that letter to the WHO department? Because oh, I see. it's the United States response to it. And yeah. yeah. Um, no. You, you need to report better on this, man. I, I, well, I didn't know what department. I just know I read the when I was reading it, it was talking about how like they're like, you know, if who sets this standard, uh, then we're going to send a misconception to the world, which is totally ridiculous. Yeah. And so that was the Trump administration. But then which one, you know, the medical cannabis, it says U.S. response to the WHOs. So and then uh, the EE, no, the ECDD. What's the ECDD? 
direct document. It's not publicly available. That's what it is. But the ECDD has uh, voiced its stern opposition to the uh, rescheduling of cannabis at a federal level. And then they, of course, talk about the 1961 convention. No, that's all right, marijuana moment. I think you already have my uh, subscription information. Yeah, yeah no, uh, that is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, we're, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're protecting their phony baloney jobs. Haven't you ever seen Blazing Saddles? Yeah. Yeah, yeah in many ways. Cannabis prohibition is a lot like Blazing Saddles, where they have to protect their phony baloney jobs, gentlemen. Yeah. That's, and that's where they got their harumphs. Harumphs. Well, just like uh, uh, the Washington State uh, uh, law enforcement out here is against the homegrown situation. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, same with Florida. Florida uh, Supreme Court in Florida was just uh, bashing one of the two ballot initiatives for being too, um, too what do they call that? It's not generic, abstract you know, where it's not especially definite. And so it didn't comport with the requirements, according to the Supreme Court, of uh, the Florida ballot initiatives. And so that might make the one that allowed for home grow substantially more difficult. And hopefully the MILF one, the uh, Marijuana Legalization <laughs> Florida, yeah. aptly named MILF, will still be able to have a shot to get onto the ballot in uh, 2022. But um, the Supreme Court did not like the other ballot initiative that allowed for harm grow in Florida. Well, and did you hear about um, Minnesota? My son's going to college out there, and I'm pretty happy yeah. for him. Yeah, Minnesota looks like they may actually have a medical cannabis program in two years. Yeah, well, they, they want to be the um, the staple. They're, they're saying that they want theirs to be better than everybody else's. Everybody yeah. says that. So did New York. Yeah, New York yeah, Cuomo says that they want to have the new gold standard. with, And then they, they stole Illinois' name, the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. But now it's going to be the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act of New York. And so we're following uh, SB 1572 out of New York. Hopefully they're going to vote on that by April. And then we'll have a new rubric going into effect. It's not all that dissimilar from the one that we have here in Illinois. And then they'll have legal marijuana on the East Coast. Back to New York. The bar released a report supporting legalization of adult recreational use. Yeah, I like it. But then the hang up that they're currently having right now is, are they going to have some social equity built into the New York bill or not? Yeah, but I just would like the fact that the bar association, you know how we talked about LaGuardia report and yeah. uh, all the other reports. That are LaGuardia out there? report, the Schaefer report, uh, literally yeah. every single study that they've tried to study to find the harm and still haven't found the harm. Yeah. You know? It's a little, it's a little nuts. And then, uh, what's going on over there with you guys in Cresco Labs? Uh, Cresco, I don't know. Uh, Cresco Labs has found something to do, I'm sure. But uh, let me share that screen. So it says Cresco has uh, questions over potential for crime, public pot use during community meeting on proposed downtown dispensary. So Amagiano's restaurant, and that's the thing about uh, Chicago; it's just full of great Italian restaurants. Um, and then the first standalone recreational pot shops. So is it the uh, the restaurant that's concerned about crime? No, I, I'm not sure. Like I said, like you share these articles, but I don't read them because I'm busy. Well, there's so, a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, this is what when we first started doing this. Remember, you were like, uh, "What are we going to talk about?" I'm like, "Dude, there's always something fucking there's always going something on." Always something to talk about. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And then you you get caught up in like application season. So I'm sure I'll be like way more boned up when the shows get to be like April, and I'm not yeah. working like all around the clock going like, all right, well, where's this guy? Well, we've gotten back from that guy yet. We'll get him on the phone because I have to see where he is on that. You know, um, and you're just putting together these applications and doing your best, but they're complex freaking applications. And then, God, yes. you know, you have to ask for team members from stuff. And then where are the resumes guys? Yeah. <laughs> where are they? But you know, this legalization thing for your, uh, your part is a very essential as far as the, the business aspect goes. You know, here in Washington, we just lost another company. Willie's Reserve pulled out of Washington State two weeks ago, and they did it in a fast and hard way. Well, that's the whole reality of the industry where the um, the burn rates, I don't know any cannabis companies that are printing money unless they're doing it really, really small. And then they can actually cash flow from their operations and they aren't in this uh, never ending cycle of always trying to raise capital to be able to continue to expand. And so a lot of the teams that are coming together to try to put together their craft grow applications, I'm like, all right, well, remember, if you can find financing, they're going to want a substantial part down, like not 10%, but probably 30 to 50%. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to finance a million dollar building, well, here's $300,000. That's all going just to the down payment. That's nothing. All right. So yeah. now how are you going to make salary? Now, how are you going to buy FFE? Now, how are you going to do all this other stuff? And 
yeah, I, I can understand why some people have to shut down, but, uh, you know, it's, it stinks, but, um, well, with Willie's, I think, because they're, they were going for that whole national brand thing. Yeah. And, so that, and- that sounds like they'd be burning money because they're yeah. trying to go nationwide. And then what do you find out? Like you can't scale because every state's it's, it's like trying to go international because every single state isn't a state. It's like a country because it's got its yeah. own ways of doing stuff. That's what I think happened here too in Washington. There was a lot of nickel and diming because the uh, the governing body is not business friendly. They don't they're not looking out for the growers. They're looking out for their tax dollars, or who they call the investors. Which is I hate that fucking word from them. From uh, the governing body, they call the people they 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 um, listen to or whatever the investors. Which I thought should be the people, which is not the people apparently. Um. Yeah. It depends on how they define that. And so like, that's the problem. Uh, you know, it's, it's different in every single state. And then what I, trying to have a brand like that is really, really difficult too, because you have different owner co- composition, different inputs. So, you know, you can't buy the same newts usually in, in whatever particular area, you know, different climates and you're trying to have the same brand experience. Yeah. Cause this won't be there, but I think with Willie's too out here, because they're based in Colorado um, that you just didn't have anybody that was part of the Washington, you know, Washington fails in that part where there's probably two or three people that were part of the medical have done really well and still are part of this uh, industry. Yeah. But the rest are, are, are outliers. People who are just like, Hey, this is not legal. And I got money, which I'm cool. That's with that absolutely too. true. And, you know, trying yeah. to grow in this industry, putting together, um, you know, how to grow your cannabis business is what we're going to be talking about for the principal part of today's uh, broadcast and trying to grow that, you know, you remember um, that uh, that race that you have? I think it's called a steeplechase. Familiar with a steeplechase? No. All right. I think that's the race where you have to like jump over water, and then you also have to like go over hurdles, and then there's some uh, some uh, rugged terrain that you have to run through, and all that stuff. And, and that's essentially what marijuana legalization is <laughs> growing your business, because just as you get over like one hurdle, there's another one that's just popping up and then you have to jump over the water. And then still, you know, you're still far away from the, uh, the, the finish line and it can just be one darn thing after another. And then what happens? They dilute the value of your license and they issue twice as many licenses next year. So man, that presents a whole host of issues. When you wrote that book uh, with the, the Irba book, we should give one of those away right now. We should. Yeah. And, then, and then we also have to give away one of those shirts that you're wearing, the 420 shirts. Yes. And because that, that gives people reason to tune in besides the amazing content. So uh, first person to drop us their address in the comments, uh, I'll mail a book. I'll even sign it off there to you as well. And then you can learn all the wonderful lies of history about how uh, cannabis was made illegal and it's still there. When you wrote that, what, when you, what was your vision for legalization? Like as a young stoner myself, I just figured, oh, I'll be able to plant a seed, sell my plant, make some money, and then that's a day. But then grown-up stuff takes over. No, I wasn't that naive, even, even though I was pretty naive. Um, I just thought it would happen a lot faster than it did. I figured that by you know, 2015, because uh, I wrote that in 2010, I figured by 2015 we might have had some federal movement. And we kind of did, but it was like the like tiniest bit of federal movement. That's when they put the Robacher Farr Amendment into the budget so that they defunded the war on at least medical marijuana. Yeah. 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 I just never saw the business structure of things. And then that's where I still have some appreciation for the 502 structure because they have given rights to the employees because I'm all about workers' rights. And, you know, that's something that's very essential to this whole industry, I think. Yeah. Workers' rights. I mean, that's one of the things that they do on the Illinois stuff. They ask you for your labor peace agreement. So you know what a labor peace agreement is, don't you? No, because I don't have a company. <laughs> well, a labor peace agreement is something that your company enters into with a union. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So so is it going to be unionized then? Are they working with the Food Handler Association? Oh, I wish I had it. But over uh, the weekend, I was at the Cannabis uh, Resource Fair in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they actually had the, you know... United Cannabis Workers Local something, 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 something. And they had a copy of their labor peace agreement that you can include. But when I was reading the uh, QA from the Department of Agriculture yesterday and this morning, uh, it looks like the your page limit would include if you included the, um, the, the labor peace agreement. So you might want to not have the labor peace agreement if that's going to count toward your page numbers. Mm. I'd have to double, double check that. But I recall them saying like the labor peace agreement could be in the particular exhibit but it would count. 
And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Was that so? Here, let me show you this one. Because I know when Washington was becoming, this was a big effort because they were trying to get the UFCW or the UFCW was trying to pull all the butt tenders and whatnot. That might have been who it was, the UFCW. And, and that's the Food Handlers Association. They also do, fuck, everybody, store handlers. Uh, I mean, it's one of the biggest and most legit unions out there uh, for when it comes to service industry types. Really? So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big hill to do. So if those guys are out there, I mean, it's kind of a good thing. Unions can be good and bad. I was part of uh, the machinist union at one time, and uh-huh. they were kind of bad because they weren't representing my interest. They were representing their uh, the the most people who uh, made donations, right? So like solidarity. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was the higher end of the pay scale, but all the little ends. There was a hundred of those and one of me. Hmm. So their interest took first place, but of course, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. So. Uh, what do you think about uh, so we're gonna, you said our guest is going to be talking about uh, business? Yeah, he's going to be talking about business. He's an entrepreneur for decades and he's grown a lot of different businesses. And so how can you grow your cannabis business? What types of team members do you need on it? And you know how much magic and pixie dust and uh, luck that you need? Well, luck helps in a lot of things, but uh, a good team really helps. And then uh, how do you develop boards for that team? Mm. And then uh, how do you stay on top of market trends? How do you stay on top of regulatory trends? How do you not overextend like you'd see MedMen or Willie's Reserve do? And then, boom, you can't make your debt payments and you have to start doing fire sales and pulling out of states. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we, sh- we should bring him on and ask him those Let's questions. Let's bring him on. Hey, Dan, what's going on? Hey, nice to be here. Thanks, Lauren. Let's be good. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Cannabis Search Group? Yes, I founded Cannabis Search Group about a year ago after specializing and focusing in the tech markets for the last 30 plus years. Most of my clients were Silicon Valley based companies in the early stage startup phases funded by venture capital investment banking. What I was brought in to do in many of those companies would be to build out the missing components of the management team and then put the, the board seats together. After that, I specialized in sales and building out distribution channels with my clients. Did that in a lot of years with many, many tech companies. So it was very entrepreneurial. Um, <clears throat> one, in, one in 20 venture funded companies make it to the, to the big top. And I think if I look at the cannabis industry today and look back and reflect on my, my career in executive search and being a consultant and setting on boards for many emerging companies over the years, what I see coming down the pike is as MedMen last week fired their CEO, um, having difficulty pulling out of markets, I believe that we're going to see that more than once. We're going to see a couple other companies out there do the same thing. And that's normal in an emerging market. And it's actually good for the market. It kind of cleans it out. And really, you get rid of the weak players. Um, I think the big money that's been in the, the companies that are there today, I think the rest will be put into the ancillary side of the market and funding things that, that would be like selling picks and and shovels to the miners being the growers. Uh, I believe you're seeing issues with just, just the downturn in the stock. Uh, for instance, I think um, Cresco Labs is a fairly well-run company. I think they have a good management team and, and a really good image, and I like their culture. But look what happened to them. Just with some of the things going on in the market, their stock's down uh, to, I think, a low of 560 after going public at 620 or 630 back l- late last year. So... And then when we look at jobs, these companies, as Tom just said, Tom, it's expanding too fast, doing your burn rate, having to go out and raise before you thought you'd have to. Big, big issue. I think in the end, what we're going to see in the cannabis industry is what we see in every other industry. And that's high margins initially. And as the margins continue to consolidate based on competition, based on changes in the industry and everything, you're going to see that some of these companies it's going to be about good management because when you don't have the margins to operate, it comes down to branding and the biggest brands are going to be the winners. And there's probably only room for what three, four, maybe 10 initially, but all these companies that are out there, we're going to see a change. We're going to see the beverage industry, the former tobacco industry have a lot of, a lot of holdings in this space. The food industry is also going to embrace the CBC, CBD side of the market. Another area where I see jobs, that's really, really interesting to me would be the medical research side where they sequence DNA in patients from different types of either cancers or other diseases. Look at the cannabinoids, the terpenes and the other um, 
the, the flavonoids and, and we're going to discover things I believe that we haven't talked about or discovered yet in, in medical science. I think there's new and emerging firms that will evolve in the uh, clinical trial stages. Like a company, Cannabix, for instance, that evolved out of um, Israel last week in Italy. I believe they were headquartered in Italy, part of their development team. They discovered, I believe, two new cannabinoids. And, and that's just going to start happening more and more as we get research out there. So I see the research market being limited somewhat by the governmental laws in this country. But outside it and around us, you know, we have the epidiolex from uh, GW Pharmaceuticals. I'm sorry, Tom. Yeah, it's GW Farm. Yeah, yep. epidiolex. Yep. Yeah, and I, I believe that we're going to see other drugs come about. And I believe Big Pharma is going to try and jump in this industry. They're waiting on the sidelines. I've talked to people that have come out of CROs, which manage drug trials in the middle of FDA and Big Pharma, and they're, they're thinking that there's a market there. A few things have to change yet because it's very expensive to do that kind of research. Dan, do you um? Because we had the other guests before who talked about um their international business. There's mm-hmm. more international business going on than there is, I mean, for investors and whatnot. Uh, do you think that's more of the safe bet to go international than to stay in the states? You know that that's a really really good question, Miggy. Um, there's a lot of money here in Canada. I th- I think uh, if we go outside the United States, I think that Colombia is probably one of the mo- most robust markets. Um. A lot of coffee plantations there seem to be turning hands into people that want to turn into growers because of the low price of coffee to the grower. Mm. Also, it's really good land, and the pricing structure there is very, very low, as right. you know. They, they ship to Germany and other, other countries that do a lot of research. In fact, I just saw yeah. where the contract just changed, and the Chinese are going to come into this much larger. The government's getting behind it, and they're going to start growing like crazy. And the, the biggest problem there is testing for quality and quality assurance based on the metals and all of the pesticides and everything they use in China. And I know a lot of people that I talk to in the CBD space, they don't want anything to do with Chinese products at this stage based on that premise alone. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, uh, one of the things that I'm wondering is, do you think that you said there might only be room for 10 players, but each state is currently its own island. Um, so do you think it's 10 players per state and then one day that might collapse when they're finally allowed to be, I mean, the MSOs are already interstate, but I don't think they're really able to build a brand interstate. I'm not sure how that's going for them. And then with the MedMen's and Willie's Reserve, you see, as they try to do that, they get burned. I think that'll be a continuing trend, Tom. I think what we're going to see down the road is you'll see mergers and acquisitions. You'll see bigger money come in to try and consolidate brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's got to happen. It's just got to happen. Well, yeah. I, I, Tom, I think we remember I talked about this as far as the uh, the market being set up. Uh, what state is it that had the limited amount? Oh, Florida. Right. And I, and I talked about the, the four main players and they made all the money and then you know, I kind of see that as well, where uh, the small guys always get absorbed by the big guys. And like Dan was saying, where the bigger guys like the soda companies and the food industry is going to start getting involved. Um, you know, those guys can throw money and waste money. Whereas somebody like us doing a startup, you better have a damn good product right away. Uh, Dan, when you uh, you say venture capital, is that like you're helping with the business first? You got to raise all the money, the revenue, because I know a tech, you know, you, you create an ideal and you, you're throwing money at this idea like say an instagram or whatever but when it comes to like a a a commodity i always in brick and mortar i always wonder how these people mess up so hard like if you raise a hundred million dollars i have a hundred plants uh you know of course you're gonna have marketing fees and all you're running your business fees but where the rest where does the rest of the money go What, what are these guys doing wrong do you know you know, it's expensive to build out greenhouses and grow facilities and the lighting and everything that goes along with it. Many of these things, you can't finance them because they're not financeable. And some of the space is used, as you know. So that becomes a, a really large expense. So you need really deep pockets. And then you have to find a, an exclusive group of investors that's willing to take that risk. Because the laws in every state, as you said before, Maggie or Tom, they're so different from every state. And we're just not dealing with the same thing. I was at a meeting or an event maybe a month ago where Charlie Batchel from uh, Cresco, one of the co-founders, and I believe he's the chairman and CEO, stated that he believes that um, it's about branding down the road and, and being branded and that the margins are going to drop drastically. It's about operations and the ability to do that. Well, I think branding is huge, especially in cannabis. I mean, and, and it's a branding that people don't understand yet. Like 
we all know who Jack Hare is. And that's because this man devoted his time to, you know, being a champion of the plant. And, you know, you don't have a champion of beer. You don't have a champion of Kool-Aid except for the Kool-Aid, man. I mean, this is the, where the, the culture is missing, I think, that disconnect with marketing and whatnot. I think that's true. There's a there's a company in Chicago that was recently funded called Philo. They come out of the advertising and public relations side of the business. Those are the firms that are going to whoever basically grasp on to the larger clients in that market space and, and helps them to stand out with their public relations and advertising. You, we're just starting to see some basic advertising begin right now. I think the Super Bowl even had an add on, didn't they? I no. thought that one got yanked again. Yeah. So they. Yeah, like Coors Light is now sponsoring you to adopt a dog. So like, you know, adopt dogs for alcoholism, but you couldn't show a child suffering from epilepsy and then use a CBD-based drug and then have relief because families or something. It makes no sense. But um, so then how do you grow your cannabis business uh, if you are uh, coming from a startup? Who would you or, or what would you advise somebody or some team make sure that they have on board when they're just starting to win that license. It's important to be well-trained with your team. And I believe the bud tenders, especially that are, are you talking about the growers actually, Tom? Uh, let's, let's, let, we could talk about either side. So let's talk about retail and let's also talk about uh, uh, cultivation, but you can talk uh, retail first. Well, retail, you know, I'm a medical patient. So it's really, you, you go into a dispensary and, uh, it's really important that those folks are well-trained and knowledgeable about what someone's needs are based on what their ailment is or what they've been diagnosed with. And um, a lot of times I find people aren't very knowledgeable in that space. And, and that's why it's important to get new new dispensaries out there and someone that can get the model down and be more like the Apple store mm -hmm. in that business. I mean, I was out at Planet 13 in Las Vegas when I went to MJ BizCon last year. That place is run like a machine. Nice. Yeah. Where they get a medical patient and the way they get the recreational patients in, it's 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 amazing. So you're telling me you're not having someone sell you like the highest THC content and pushing the latest, uh, uh, you know, bad harvest? Yeah, you can get about anything you want there. You just tell them what you want. The bud tenders were super knowledgeable, nice. really helpful. And I was in and out of there like great, really fast. They accept. That's the other thing in, in Nevada. They will look at a, at a medical card from another state and they'll they'll do reciprocity. Yep. I'm not sure Illinois or anyone else does that. Uh, some states do. Illinois does not. And that could be one of the things. Yesterday, uh, Tuesday was one of the lobby days. And so I was too busy. But after there will be more lobby days uh, in Springfield to help them amend the, the legislation that they currently have. And that, uh, you know, reciprocity of medical cards is one of the things would be great to see. I don't think they can do it. Because every single one, and that's one of the reasons why you're tied to a dispensary, is because every medical patient has a, an allotment of that 2.5 ounces per two weeks, typically. And so they're trying to do a tabulation regarding your uh, amount that you still have in the tank to be able to buy. And I think that's one of the reasons why they have restrictions against the reciprocity. But in Nevada, when you were buying your product, uh, was it a good user experience? One of my biggest beefs for the Illinois uh, cannabis market, whether it's uh, medical or adult use, is the user experience when you're making the buy is just crap. I mean, you're not allowed to smell the product. You're not allowed to visually inspect the product. Everything is already shrink wrapped. Everything's, you know, prepackaged and and very often all sales are final. But that has to do a lot more with like the bio track and then trying to I don't you know tag from seed to sale everything. Tom, didn't I uh, share an arc with you last week about uh Illinois uh welcoming uh Missouri patients? No. No, I don't I recall that. No, I think there was an article I sent you. Um, no, the Illinois law right now, as I know it, does not have reciprocity. So oh, and not, not only does it not have reciprocity, every medical patient is matched to a dispensary. So yeah. if you're if you live in uh, Missouri and you're a medical patient in Missouri and you come in with a Missouri card, you're not tied to a, an Illinois dispensary. So you wouldn't be able to be served. That's so wild that you're tied to a dispensary, though. You know, it's funny. They make you drop your cannabis off if you're traveling at the airport. But it would be really nice if other states could adopt that for people traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, a lot of those times you go to the Internet and that's where Reddit comes in handy. Because uh, there's a, a subreddit called tree caching that uh, if you uh, leave it in a legal state, people will put it's like uh, I do a thing with my son called geocaching. We call it treasure hunting where you're going on different coordinates and finding like hidden objects in plain sight. And uh, 
they do the same thing with weed when they leave places. But yeah, I mean, they, they're yeah. playing geocaching with weed. So it's like, all right, I'm going to leave it under the fourth bench <laughs> at gate G7. There's a, there's a joint under the fourth bench at gate G7. Yeah. I got an eighth because of that. Don't, don't, don't fuck with that shit, dude. Wait, that is awesome, though. I'm glad <laughs> that. I mean, that's, that's an ancillary business. And now, you know, let's turn it back to like ancillary businesses and how to grow your cannabis business. What do you think about using the license holder as just necessarily being a pass-through, pass flow-through entity that holds the license, but then there's uh, an ancillary and or real estate holding company just to the side or downstreamed from it that might be able to actually access uh, financial uh, services because, you know, they aren't uh, trafficking in cannabis. They're just a landlord. Exactly. Sure. I, I haven't dealt much on the real estate side other than the folks I do talk to within the real estate markets tell me that once the, once they find out it's a cannabis client, it seems that the pricing goes up for the rent. Yeah. Yep triple in some cases. Wow. You probably see that more than anyone, Tom, and what you do. Uh, I haven't seen triples yet, but I have, and I advocate and I like say like, Hey, you know, because very often the social equity is not sitting there flush with cash or very often the uh, person who has the capital wants to make sure they have a return on their investment. And I'm like, okay, well, how about you can classify it a couple of different ways. You know, you don't have to take equity in this. You could take uh, you could have equity over in that real estate business that's over there. And maybe they also have um, some staffing issues that they can provide to the uh, the license holder. And then those are ways to, to draw uh, money from the license holder itself. Uh, or you could treat it as, you know, a, a convertible debt. So you're not necessarily diluting your shares as much as you have some debt on your balance sheet. And then after you've paid down enough of it, then maybe they can convert that into a smaller percentage of shares. But in your um, in your travels out west, uh, yeah. inspecting all the the cultivation operators in the west coast, what types of things would you recommend to some of those craft growers that are out there right now when they're trying to not only just start up but also grow their cannabis businesses? Um, the craft growers, you you know, you have to get a reputation, and they're growing in smaller quantities, and they're really doing something that's very unique. And I've gotten to know a few craft growers in Washington and Oregon, and they do a nice job. It, it's almost like you need an apprenticeship for that from someone that really knows yeah. crafting. They know everything about the industry. They know the seed strains. They know what you're looking for. And you need some science people. I think today the market's really changing. It's more science and it's going to continue to be more science. And I think that's great for all of us that are, are affectionados and, and users and even medical patients. I think <laughs> I just think that's where it's going. Well, I think the best cannabis was from a medical patient. You know, uh, here in Washington, we defined that line where recreational versus medical. And then for some reason, they decided they're not going to test all the specs for recreational, but if, unless it's medical, which is ridiculous because it's, it's a human consumption plant type issue. But um, I had a question for you, Dan. Uh, in the cannabis industry, it's so big. There's so many opportunities, you know, auxiliary, whatnot. How do you pick for like venture capitalists, for someone who wants to get invested? Like, do you say, hey, uh, there's a grow, it's a great opportunity or... Say, like in my case, like I want to do media. That's my thing. Right. Um, you know, how do you choose who's a good investment for that? You know, you, you see a lot of business plans and you basically look at someone's character. You look what they've done in the past, look what they're doing today. And, and then, you know, you, you weigh heavily on that. What kind of experience and what kind of talent they have and what kind of money is behind them. But on another note, there's, you know, I think it'd be really interesting. There's three or four venture capitalists that are heavily invested in the industry that I would love to introduce to you that you could have on a show and they could basically get really down and deep on the, on what you're really looking for there. I, I believe it's about the management team. I believe it's about the plan, the ability to execute that plan and, and show that you've got a business acumen and you've done this before. Hmm. In the cannabis industry, a lot of the early players, you know, God bless them. They came out of the industry. They knew they knew a lot about grows, but they didn't know a lot about business on the other end. It's easy in the black market. But when you start dealing with legalization and laws and all of the different restrictions from state to state, what I was going to say before is Charlie Batchel said it best. You know, when they were the, the guys that founded Cresco came out of um, guaranteed rate mortgage. And he said, you know, in 2007, when the mortgage mortgage market crashed, he says we were dealing with laws of 50 different states. And if we wanted to play, we had to be compliant in all of those things. So when we moved into the cannabis industry, it was really a natural for us because all the laws from state to state differ entirely and you have to be compliant. Yeah. So a lot of it is is 
dealing through, and this is where Tom, I think Tom's so valuable. I think he's one of the most knowledgeable guys I've talked to in the industry. A lot of the suits from the big law firms just don't have his background or the passion or the understanding. And that's yeah. why I, I really bonded with Tom because I like his style. Hmm. And it's, you know, oh, yeah. no, guys are like suits and nobody wants to deal with a true suit. We want to deal with somebody competent, intelligent, that can do and get done what we need to be done, get done. And doesn't have an onerous billing quota over his head because the man is making him work 2000 hours a year, whether he's on vacation or not. And, and I, I, I'm pissed off at big law for a whole host of reasons, but uh, I'd, I'd rather talk about the management team uh, comment that you made when you are looking for management team who are like, you know, the top three players that you'd say like, all right, when I'm going over a management team for either a retail uh, a cultivation or a vertically integrated uh, player. I'm looking for these three guys and girls. Well, you you know, it starts out if you're running a, a grow operation, you need a great operations guy who's got strong background in agriculture and understands the cannabis industry that's been involved with it. He knows what to look for when it comes to the soils, the the potential diseases that can affect the plant. You have to know all the the growing needs, especially indoor to outdoor, which you see differences. I've dealt with some guys that are out there that have been doing it illegally for 30 years that are now doing it legally and they're they've been hired to grow for larger companies. And one guy now is growing a thousand acres of, of hemp in Oregon, a thousand in Washington and a thousand in the Imperial Valley of California. Nice. So I would say that the operations guy is great. The master growers, the people that do that, the scientists that are grafting, the people that understand the seeds and the quality and the strains of seeds. So. I think in today's world, we have to look at science as being important along with operations. In addition to that, we, we have to have a culture that basically understands business, hiring the right people, putting in the training programs that are necessary so you operate like a, like a larger and growing business. And I, I think there's been a lot of lack there. Mm -hmm. And some of the ideas are not fully baked yet because it's a new industry. And some people can be, I believe there's investors out there that are going to lose a lot of money before this is over. Uh, I do believe that these stocks will rebound that are there today. But when it comes to the, the companies, I mean, look at how volatile they are in the stock market based on people or something just changing. Yeah, but I mean, look at Tesla. Tesla in the past 48 hours went parabolic and then straight back down. And so like markets are volatile, even like less regulated markets like electronic cars. Uh, and and the, the spike in Tesla and then the drop in Tesla over the past 48 hours have been shocking. I mean, it's been like 20 percent each way for like no real news. Well, there was some news, but um, it doesn't matter. And uh, that type of thing is just market risk is not going away. And market risk is very often discounted by teams that are getting into a business. And I think you're also right when you said about the scientists are going to be really, really important because, uh, you know, when I'm advising my clients regarding putting together their plans for their craft grows, first, I usually say, man, it really stuck, stinks that you're not allowed to like have a, a cooperative with like four other craft grows so you can get some economies of scale going on. So you don't have to be your own encapsulated 5000 square foot entire from extraction to cultivation industry, because when we look at the industry data in the state of Illinois, we're already over 50 percent extractions. And so if these craft growers don't want to raise that extra half million dollars for their extraction equipment and they want to focus on the flower for their first year, that's fine. But, you know, not everything that you grow is going to be grade A buds that have wonderful bag appeal that you can sell it on an eighth price. I mean, you have LARF, you have trim, you have things that you traditionally put into extractions and then you're able to have your vape pen line and have your edible line. But um, that puts the price up further. And it also isn't just the equipment cost. Then you do need those scientists that have um, that have understanding of how to operate those extraction machines. I think that's really important. And I mean, we all know if we if we use the different products that are. Uh oh, Dan yeah. wants to hit X. Uh, Dan will be rejoining us any moment. Um, <laughs> I might want to text him real quick uh, a link yeah, back today. Yeah, go for that. Thing. He might be right. talking on. It's all good. Uh, yeah, that was good. That's, I think he's he's a very insightful person as far as. He uh, is. Uh, he probably just hit the X. And then yeah. if I hit copy right now, my, my keyboard goes asleep. And I have his I have his phone. Otherwise, I'd have Lauren, like, send it to him. Oh, he's back. He's already back? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was in the process of texting you the link, but uh, you came back before and I didn't need to. 
So yeah, uh, while you were gone, we decided to solve all the world's problems and cannabis is now legal in all 50 states. And so it's going to be a lot easier to build a brand. That is great news. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan, when you, uh, like you said earlier, how you expect a lot of people to lose money, these venture capitalists or whatever, investors. Um, I know one of the things, uh, when I went to a, I went to an investor thing here just to see what it was like, you know, watching people ask for $2 million. That was kind of cool. But I was asking the investors, I was like, what? What are you looking for? And one of the things that I was told was they're looking for an exit plan. And honestly, doing what we do here, I have no exit plan. My plan is to keep doing this until until it's fucking legal, until everything's taken care of. So um, what, what what do you suggest, though, for, for people who, who are uh, want investors? You know, and for the investors themselves, uh, I think we've seen early already a lot of people have been burned because they just don't do a simple Google search on the person, right? Before there used to be no data on any of this. By now, everybody should have a reputation. <laughs> you know, everybody should be out of the closet at this point if you want to make money at cannabis. So, how do you protect your investors for that? Well, you know, your investors are always going to ask, "What's your exit strategy?" That's a common first question. It's good to have maybe a couple exit strategies because sometimes your investors are going to look at a certain point and they're going to say, "We want you to sell this company," and the entrepreneur might think, "I don't want to sell this company." But he doesn't really have a choice if he's got a specific number amount of stock and they have more. And that happens in early stage sometimes because you have to give a lot of equity away. Mm. That's always a possibility. And sometimes a company will exit maybe earlier than they need to, to but it pleases the investors. Right yeah. on. And it's difficult in this industry because unlike the other ones, you know, where you might uh, just as speak to uh, some more sophisticated things in uh, corporate law. Sometimes you have these things called like tag along, drag along clauses that allow uh, some of the shareholders to force uh, sales, for lack of a better term. And those are, while they're in cannabis, they're limited to the sense that, you know, like if you were going to do like a, 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 who are the two uh, phone providers? I think it's Sprint and T-Mobile wanted to join. And then they have like some, uh, some SEC problems where they might have uh, uh, too much hegemony in the in the marketplace. And so you have to get governmental approval. But most of the time you don't when you're trying to like sell a company, uh, depending on how overly regulated it is. But with cannabis companies, you always need regulatory authority. So you just can't sell out uh, that cannabis company. You need somebody to be able not only to be ready, willing and able to buy it, but be ready, willing, and able and approved by the state of whatever to uh, purchase your cannabis uh, license. Hmm. That's true. And, and that's going to be really interesting as the market continues to have compression and brands start to break out. Mm -hmm. And what brands are really going to make it? That's the real question. The ones that have the rap stars yelling about their stuff. Cookies. Burner. Well, I, think, I think Burner is going to be an existing one. He's already... Branched out to Detroit, Michigan, and other states. So he's a solid brand to, to be a part of. But all the other ones, you know, like Willie's Reserve right now, the way they pulled out, they left a bad taste for the community out here. Well, uh, Willie likes to smoke weed, but Willie doesn't like weed. Like, he doesn't know a lot about uh, the strains or, like, you know, what the terpenes are or even, like, sativa, indica. He just likes to smoke grass. So I think well, maybe that's one of the, the downsides. And, like, I understand like, okay, Cresco gets in because they are with guaranteed rate uh, insurance and insurance is a highly regulated industry with state specific uh, punctilios of law. However, did they know anything about the product? You know, were they potheads? Did they yeah. like the, the product? Is well, that why they had such shitty crops? And one of the reasons why there's so much um, uh, extracts still on the street from Cresco? Damn, that the shot's fired. Damn. <laughs> What do you really feel, Tom? <laughs> they got better. They got better. They do uh, use Bovedas now in their eighths, which oh, is good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now you pay an extra fucking fifty cents per your eighth for. Uh, yeah, but we're uh, gonna have the Boveda guys on. Come on, don't don't upset them uh, yet. We're no, gonna no, try no, see no, if they can get us some free Bovedas, and then we can give Bovedas away on the show. For your personal stash, you're a great product. I just feel like when things sit on the shelf for a long time, uh, there's just so much better way we can be doing the storefront aspect. Coming from the medical side, having seen people handling chopsticks and having been able to experience the bud and the personally in a in a market experience, yeah, it can be okay. It can happen. Um, but I then, don't know how close we are to farmers market 
cannabis. 20 years be honest. still, I think. I don't know. We're a bit. <laughs> that would be great, Tom. Because that, yeah. I can go buy like spinach and crap, you know, and like tomatoes and, and, and asparagus. Heck, I can buy like farm fresh eggs that that really, I mean, how? where's the regulation there, you know? And I know. Uh, But I can't buy cannabis? Come on. Yeah. How about black swan from Jamaica flown in fresh like yesterday? Well, you know, then we get into international issues, but it's not like I i can't go buy a bottle of French wine, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. I just don't get why. It's not like this plant is any type of magical exception that's so much different than any other plant, whether it's grapes or whether it's... Um, I don't know, uh, the microgreens and, uh, and asparagus that you can buy at a farmer's market, except well, this one has cannabinoids. And don't forget, apples can make fucking cider. So, I mean, whatever. Our priorities are all out of focus. Hey, Dan, what was it, when, when you went from tech, because I mean, you've gone, you worked for some pretty important tech companies. Uh, what, what made you decide cannabis? What was your, what was Well, you know, there, there's a story behind that. Um, my wife was diagnosed with cancer in 2003, and she lived for 14 years with a very, very difficult cancer. It was a melanoma with a rare mutation called NRAS. That is probably 7 to 8% of all the melanomas that exist out there. So there's really no chemotherapy. There's really no immunologies on sure. It's not targeted towards that. It's tor- targeted towards the most common of the mutations. And every cancer is kind of like that. So we went into cannabis and we found some integrative doctors, people with naturopathic backgrounds, as well as mainstream doctors. And we kind of used both. We just decided that we'd use immunology, but not the other side. And then we got into Rick Simpson oil and both the CBD side and and the main RSO oil. And we were doing one-to-one ratios and we got that up to about just under a gram. And I mean, really high doses. And my wife went into remission a number of times, but unfortunately we, we got to where it was starting to spread and she had lived a long time. It was almost 14 years and it went to her brain. We had to go to MD Anderson. And after that, it was a very short time and she passed away in July of uh, 2017, but she paid, had a good fight. And we think cannabis had an awful lot to do with the long-term uh, survival. And if nothing else, it gave her a lot of peace and comfort. Um, well, yeah. Did so you go to medical cannabis right out the gate after the diagnosis, or was there some some lag time between you found it and she no, was we, we did early on. Yes, we yeah. are. My wife loved cannabis from the time she was fifteen. So hmm. before this hit her, she was always saying, "Oh, when I die, when I'm ninety five, I'm going to donate my body to research." Because, <laughs> but it was um, hers. Really came from tanning beds, which. Oh, she liked to stay tan. So that was one reason she felt that maybe we contracted uh, the melanoma from that. It started out very small, but we use cannabis for all of those 14 years. And the doctors, a lot of times when they were treating her saying, you shouldn't do that. And we just did what we wanted to do. And yeah. Uh, it should be the first right. option. Yeah. Yeah. It, it should be the first no. option. I don't yeah. understand why they're going to come in with all these heavy chemo drugs and, and put your body through uh, your body's under strain already, and then they're going to really strain it. And they don't use cannabis, and it's there's no research out there. And that's such a it, it reminds me of the schoolyard bully that would go up to the kid that you know had glasses and then take his own hand and hit him in the face and say, well, "Stop hitting yourself! Stop hitting yourself!" Because it's been illegal to study this plant for decades unless you're trying to study the harms. So it's like I want to study the harms of uh, marijuana and cancer. Uh, and so then at least you would have gotten the research dollars because I'm like, great, go find the definitive link between cannabis smoking and cancer. And, and that would have gotten funding. And of course the research would have proved the opposite or like shown evidence of the opposite. You really can't say proven science, but it would have shown evidence of the opposite. And then it would have been like, wow, uh, can I get research dollars to show, to study the benefits of cannabis patient um, cannabis usage on um, you know cancer management where you know a, a terminal disease got you f- if almost 15 years and that that is just causing so much heartache and so much lost time and and extra expense that we why are we doing that as a nation I mean we kind of complain about healthcare costs so much and then when there's something that might be able to save on the healthcare costs, whether it's the veg- vegetarian diet and, and exercise or cannabis usage, nah. 
We've got to change the law to basically make it so we can do more research with, with the cannabis plant. Absolutely. And, and I think what we're going to find is there are benefits to it here. A lot of benefits. Oh, yeah. And as a result, I mean, I believe there's a great market in, in research coming down the road that's not really well invested in yet, but it will get there. And it's going to be a big, big market that everyone is not really looking at at this stage. And, and I they have to do their own custom grows, don't you think, Tom? It'll be basically a grow that has to like like GDA or is it well, GDA? And then again, you're looking at the exact same type of problem because with the FDA and the federal regulations, but uh, so they're they're telling people what drugs are at the federal level. However, the states are licensing individual doctors, so their state research money would happen first. Okay, great. So now you have state research monies which isn't as large as the federal, but you're not going to get any, any novel drug creation, uh, which is what you're really trying to go for. But then uh, I thought GW Pharma uh, and Epidiolex and Sativex, which is essentially a blend of uh, high CBD and high THC uh, extracts, weren't those mostly developed out of uh, England? Not British Columbia. Yeah, I was going to say England, England. But I was thinking UK. Britain. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that's the thing, too. Uh, Oh shit, dude, I blanked out. <laughs> oh no. Well, no, because so like what what cannabis needs, we need the new Charlotte's Web, right? Like the next CBD, the next mm-hmm. component of the uh, you know, we don't need this uh extract form, we don't need marinol. We need somebody to grow this plant and, and specify it for a specific cannabinoid, which or has already happened and can happen again. Uh you just need the time. Uh like you're saying with uh, research, it's not just research, but it's also perception. You know, my, my dad died from stomach cancer and I kept telling him to fucking smoke some weed. Like, just, just try it. Like, I don't know if it cures cancer, but it might give you an extra week. And and as soon as he did chemo, his, his health declined rapidly. And and I blame the chemo. And if, if, he could have smoked weed. I think it might have had another fourteen years. Like well, maybe not fourteen, but all right. Because you're on chemo, <laughs> you know. So, like that's that's devastating your body, and it's making you exceedingly tired, and it's making you have pain, and it's making you uh, be nauseous and not hungry. And so that you could smoke something that's safe, that may stimulate your appetite, that would reduce your pain and end um, uh, nausea, and then also might have a chemo protective effect. Yeah. Why that is not studied and then also encouraged is just shocking. And this is in 2020. And then it just happened with one of my friends. And like I had to give her um, CBD tincture because the doctors wanted to put her on like Xanax and uh, Ambien and all sorts of things to try to help her with her uh, the, the, the hard time she's going through. And, and, you know, she's not sleeping well. And then I uh, have a friend that has a Oregonian hemp farm and makes delicious uh, organic Oregonian hemp. Uh, we made some, or she made some uh, CBD tincture and bang, knocked her right out. She got a great night's sleep, wasn't tra- uh, traumatized by night terrors or anything, woke up well rested. No toxics in her body. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I, you know, I'm in our group Green and Shy where we put on events. I'm looking to put on an event coming up in May, and I don't have the panel totally finalized yet, but I have someone that ran a very large clinical research organization, so they understand what it's like to be between the FDA and Big Pharma. And it could be anybody that's trying to develop a drug. So they have to develop all this compliance software that's used for reporting efficacy and everything else. The second part of that, I want someone that is doing DNA sequencing of human beings, like a 23andMe, to come in and look at you know your your breakdown and then there's a company called strain genie out there that basically they sequence the dna of the cannabis plant and by sending you their dna and your dna and compi- comparing it with the the dna of the cannabis they can tell you what most likely will benefit you based on your physiology and your genetics man that was incredible and then i'd like to have some doctors that are well and knowledgeable about that industry as well and maybe somebody even that's, you know, from the FDA or someone like that and where all this stuff lies, because people don't really understand this side of the market. And, and, and it'd be nice in this industry to at least bring a little scientific understanding to all of us that do enjoy the, uh, the cannabis plant would like to know more about what it does and how it works and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, let's, let's plug that again, because that Green and Shy is a wonderful networking event in Chicago and they have events on a monthly basis, Dan. Yeah, we do. We've got, well, we're taking February off. We have an event coming in March 
uh, 4th and April 7th, and then another one will be in May. And uh, the May one is where we're really going to try and bring in the medical community. So we're planning out. And thank you, Tom, for helping me with, with Danny Danko to come. We're trying to have Danny come in March. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. So, Can't check that one out. That very much. That and concept of having DNA human DNA and then the plant DNA. Like, can you imagine having a strain just devoted to your DNA? That would be amazing. A guy showed me his report the other day from 23andMe. He showed me the cannabis report or cannabis report from Strain Genie. And it was like a 30 page report on you know what to look at and explore. So it, it's great to see this happening. And then we start looking at the dosing aspects. And then um, the other area I'm really interested in is the culinary arts. I'm getting lots of calls from really smart people that have worked for large test kitchens that are doing infusion. Mm. And uh, one other market I really want to bring up that I think there's an opportunity. When I was in the tech markets, there was always change going on in distribution channels. So if you get new and emerging industries, you don't have necessarily a national distribution center. And this wouldn't be basically for the growers or for the dispensaries, but the people selling ancillary products that, that support the cannabis industry. When I'm out at the MJ BizCon or all of these shows and you see the booths, you got the um, you got the, um, the, newts. the processors of all different areas. I mean, people need to sell these products and they don't have full blown sales organizations. So if somebody were to set up channels throughout the United States, I guarantee you that someone will emerge as be there will be four or five companies that emerge that are giant, giant companies that will be hundreds of millions of dollars selling cannabis related products. It's like uh, the picks and shovels, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's why I started that dank supply dot online. And I like one that. of the thing, yeah, one of the things that I wanted to do, it's like, all right, well, you know, start small and then uh, I'll advise uh, these applicants and I'll get some startups that'll be my clients. And then they're going to be like, oh, we need lights. Oh, you need lights? Here, go to dank supply dot online. Oh, we need newts. Oh, you need newts? Here you go. Go to Dank. <laughs> but you know, also too, you have the supply chain, but you also we have the media chain because th right. there's still that biasness, right? There's the social media. As much as you want to bank on Facebook, Instagram, all stuff, they don't exist YouTube. properly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. But YouTube has been good in the sense that there are some great cannabis channels on YouTube, like Future Cannabis Projects, one of my favorites. And I I want to have a, a mashup of us doing yeah. something with Future Cannabis. And I was talking to Dan about like, hey, we should just head out to Mendo and hang out for a month because that's where like future cannabis project is. And like, uh, so there's all these great extractors out there like Frenchie cannoli and like scientists yeah. like, um, doctor, um, I, I emailed him Russo, Ethan Russo is out Russo. there too. And so like Ethan Russo has got great, uh, insight as to the cannabis plant from a botanical standpoint and how it shouldn't be, you know, just, hemp, marijuana, it's, you know, it should be class one, class two, class three, and then class one would be the THC heavy class two is like, you know, your 50, 50 balances. And then your class three would be your CBD heavy. And why don't we regulate it like that? What's this 0.3% Delta nine, which then uh, the administrators turn into 0.3% total THC It's totally crap. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, they're, they're not looking at it from all the best points. They're just looking for the money initially. And the states want to legalize it because they want the revenue from the taxes that are generated. Do you yeah. think they're going to pay off our debt? I don't think so. I think they're no. going to find new ways to spend it yeah. <laughs> the way we would like. Yeah, it'll help. And yeah. I and I think that Illinois' roads will be better than they were. But that is such a low bar. Our roads were terrible. And so, like, just being slightly better is is a start. And I, I hope that it actually is going to continue to turn out to be a multi-billion dollar uh, a year, uh, at least in revenues, total revenues, which would be hundreds of millions of dollars a year in revenue for the state and local economies, which that's not insubstantial. I mean, like, even if it's a 1% dent, that 1% can really go to to shore up a lot of balance sheets. And hopefully now we don't do these silly pensions anymore because people start living until like, you know, they're 90 and 110. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can we follow Cannabis Search Group? Yes, CannabisSearchGroup.com and check out Green and Shy. Just G-R-E-E-N-I-N and C-H-I. It's, it's on LinkedIn, it's on Facebook and it's on Instagram. And that is my webpage there. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> and um, thank you for having me on, uh, Tom, Miggy, Lauren. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a great day. Look forward to meeting you, Miggy. Next time I'm in Washington, I'm going to come look you up. Yeah, hit me up. 
My son lives up in Sidra Woolley, so I get out there a few oh. times a year, so I'll be coming to see you. Yeah, come on up. I'm sure I'll see you in the next week or two. Oh, yeah, I'll be back up in Chicago uh, by the weekend. I have I have some stuff uh, early next week as well. And then, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to talking with you more about how we could figure out how to monetize this channel and introduce some advertisements into it so that we can help Miggy have a better green screen. I would love to do that. Miggy, that is really kind of a fluttering green screen behind you, but I like it. It's, you know, it does do it. Does what it does. Remember, you look back and when CLN has like a million subscribers and and viewers, and you'll look and say, "Oh my God, look at that backdrop I had at that time." We How just did improved. Oh yeah, no, we just had our year anniversary. We reviewed some of the first video, and that was uh, right. right, right. Yeah, it was I pretty funny. That green screen on one of your previous. Yeah, yeah, I did that one last time. I did the green screen last time because Miggy's wasn't working very well and I'd never screwed around with it before. It's a, it's a new feature because this is a piece of software that we use called StreamYard, which is a, a wonderful piece of software if you are doing podcasts, uh, especially live video podcasts. Because right now, not only are we live on YouTube, we're also live on Facebook. And it has the ability to be live on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is very uh, finicky about who they allow to go live. Well, it's been a joy. I've really had a good time, and um, uh, I will definitely help you with that advertising side, Tom. I think you guys have something here, and just keep going. It's cool, good. man. All good. good Thank Appreciate you. it, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Sunday. Later. <laughs>